When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Around the 412. We are part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Tyler, and with me as always is Smitty. You can see if you're watching on YouTube, he is still in his Halloween costume. Happy Victory Monday, everybody. What's going on, man? There oh, that's a this lovely is, this shirt. Is ex- this is exclusively for YouTube. For the Tennessee Yeah, if you sports. watch the YouTube videos, leave a like and like like the video for that shirt right there. Dude, take <laughs> leave a comment, subscribe to the channel, do it all. Uh, no, you're getting peak Smitty right now. This is not Zachary Smith talking. This is just Smitty. I'm in all my glory right now after watching this W over the Browns. We're going to talk about that, but I want to start off the show. We talked about the pens, uh, kind of a gloomy week for pens fans other than Cindy Crosby did return to action we get Jeff Carter back after the 10 days um, of him being in COVID protocol as well however still didn't get the result last night that we were looking for and they also lost the two games before that so 0-3 week for the pens they don't get a single point we talked about this on the last episode like what would we need it for it to be a good week we were hoping like four or five points well how, how's yeah. zero sound to you Yep, I said four points. Um, yeah, five would be really good. They got their first regulation loss against the Tampa Bay Lightning on last Tuesday, and then they proceeded to get their second and third regulation losses as well. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was not a good week across the board, um, and I feel like that was just time catching up to the Penguins. Like they were kind of playing with house money for the first like two weeks of the season, just because of like all the guys that we had missing and how well they had performed. But it seemed like on when they played Tampa Bay last week, it just kind of cut up to them, like not having that star power in the lineup. And Calgary seems like a better team than I thought they were going into that game. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, at least their record shows that they're a better team than, than I thought they were. But they they were the, the Penguins really had no shot of winning that game. And Casey DeSmith, again, not a strong performance from him in that game. And then the Devils. It's Sidney Crosby and Jeff Carter returning to the lineup, but not the result we were hoping for. They Across the board, again, just not a good week for the Penguins. You know what? I felt like last night, though, was the only real – I'm sorry, Saturday night was really the only one that was like an actual bad performance. And, you know, I, I get that he's just coming back, but I thought Crosby was amongst the worst players on the ice in this game. Um, the previous two, I just felt like they were stymied by really good goaltending. I thought that they had solid chances and Vasilevsky was Vasilevsky and Markstrom is on an absolute Dude, tear right now. It didn't matter if they were going to shoot the puck 150 times. They were not yeah. going to get past Markstrom. 
No, and he, he, you know, sometimes those bigger goaltenders tend to do give uh, the pen some trouble, but Marstrom mm-hmm. is just on another planet right now. And you said the Flames are kind of overperforming what you thought. He, he's the biggest reason why that's the case. You know, if he continues to play at that level, the Flames look like a playoff contender. If they don't, they're not going to be anywhere near the mix. Like that's the type of X factor that this guy is in net for that team. Um, but just talking about the performances of these guys, I mean, yeah, again, I, I talked about it, like Sid coming back to the lineup. Obviously, that's a huge boost going forward. But at least for this one night, he was kind of detrimental to the team, if you will. And it's crazy to say that, but it's completely OK to say that he's Sidney Crosby. I, I, as much as he doesn't look like it most times, he is human. Um, but he did not have a good game against the Devils. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting for Cap, and then we keep talking about this, like, to break the seal. I thought that he has looked better this past week, though. He's at least shooting the puck more. He looks more confident with the puck on his stick. Uh, but he and Gensel, they, they can't buy goals off eBay right now, no matter where they get the puck. Like that, Gensel had that glorious opportunity that Bernier gets his glove up on yesterday, yep. which would have, I mean, that would have given the Pens a 3-2 lead at that point, and who knows how the game goes from that point. Um, but, yeah, it just not a good week for the Pens, but at the same time, I'm not down on it. Um, you know, yeah, it was an 0-3 week, and they didn't earn a single point, but you have Crosby coming back. You expect that he's going to get back to, you know, the level that we expect Sidney Crosby to be at, Jeff Carter back. Uh, it's it's encouraging to see Brian Rust back on the ice as well, albeit in a non-contact. And, like, these guys, like you said, they're continuing to get chances. They just ran into really good goaltending this week. Yeah, and it is encouraging that we're getting these guys back. Like Rust has started started to skate. He's been skating with Malkin. We know Malkin's still going to be out for a little while, but it's encouraging to see Rust. Uh, Latang, you would think he'd probably be back towards the, later this week, assuming he's cleared of all COVID protocols and stuff yeah, like oh, that. Because yeah. because he was because Carter was asymptomatic, but but Latang was having symptoms. So I guess as yeah. long as he's feeling better, and then they test negative. I, I don't know. Did I have to test negative like twice or something like that? Yeah, um, right. I wanted to bring up something about Latang though, because think of, I don't know that a lot of people are talking about this, but you mentioned that he was symptomatic. I'm so glad that you brought this up because it wasn't on my radar. But the fact that Chris Latang is the guy that they have logged like 27, 28 minutes, we know the impacts that COVID can have on people, especially when they, they show symptoms. Like, is Chris Latang going to be able to come back and do this for the Pens? Or, or can they ask him realistically to do this? I mean, I don't know what it's going to be like. I think that, that you kind of have to like ramp him up gradually. But I really think, and another guy that really didn't have a good game against the Devils was John Marino. I think that they're going to be asking him to to shoulder a lot of this when even when we see Chris Latang come back. Uh, assuming that the symptoms that he has felt are, you know, the same ones that anybody that's had this virus have felt. You know, two guys that you so you mentioned Marino, and then another guy that I think that has been not performing well for most of the seasons, but especially since Latang has been out, is Brian Dumoulin. And those two are on a line together or a pairing together. Mm-hmm. Do you think yep. that? If once we get the normal pairings back with Latang and Dumlin and you put Marino back with Pedersen, maybe the those two start to perform better than they had these past couple games. And then with Marino being with Pedersen, we know how good that pairing could be. They could shoulder some of the ice time to take that away from Latang so he doesn't have to be playing close to thirty minutes a night. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, other than for performance reasons, again, just because I don't think that you want to ask those guys to shoulder that. They're both kind of getting up there in age. You know, they're not like super old, but they're getting older. Brian Dumoulin and Chris Letang. Um, and when you have younger guys like Marino and Pedersen, I think that you can use them like you're talking about as more of a one B pairing as opposed to a second line pairing. Um, so I, I I definitely think that that should be in the cards and that should be exactly what happens. And just from a performance standpoint, yeah, I mean they've been more of a shutdown pairing than Letang and Dumoulin. Uh, when they're paired together. So then, you know, that leaves 
Matheson and Ruedel. And it, it, I don't think that there's anything that's like stood out to me to like, these guys are terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, real quick. I also want to touch on the last thing before we move on here. Yuso Rikola. I, I thought that's what I was know, about to say. Like one more thing with the personnel this week. Yuso yeah, Rikola got into the lineup. Kind of got swept under the rug because of Crosby making his debut and Jeff Carter coming back to the lineup. But Yuso Rikola, I think, had a very Yuso Rikola game. There was times where there were some lapses that, that caused the puck to go the other way. But the guy can skate with anybody. I mean, he's fantastic in, in the offensive zone and what he creates. I mean, directly leading to that that Danton Heinen goal where he kind of holds onto the puck a second longer then you feel like he should, but he knows what he's doing better than the fans. Then he sends it right to the front of the net and Danton Heinen cleans it up. Um, and then, you know, to see him play significant power play time as well. I mean, I think the coaching staff is much when he's in the lineup, when he finally gets a shot, they know how to use him. They're just skeptical of putting him in the lineup because they know how low those lows are. Yeah, that's true. And like we've said multiple times on the show, Sullivan doesn't really like him. So I don't know if something was up with Friedman or not or Ruby. He's been dealing with lower body injury ever since like the second or third game. I know that he, he like missed practice and then he was out of the lineup for one game. And now now this I don't know if this was a healthy scratch or if that lower body injury popped back up or what. But yeah. Yeah, it just seems odd to see him in the lineup, but it's welcomed. I mean, if he's on the team and he's knocked down in the AHL, so you might as well use him at some point. Right. Only two games played last year. But, um, yeah, we'll see, you know, what the, the lines and pairs look like going forward. Hopefully they should continue to get healthier when Chris Letang does come back. We'll see what that looks like. Hopefully we have some clarity on that the next time we talk pens with you guys next week. Only but, two uh, games just, this week. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, we have to wait till, wait till Thursday night against the Flyers and then Saturday against the Wild. Right. So we'll be able to talk you uh, through those games with you guys uh, next week. Uh, But for now, we're going to transition over to Steelers talk. I'm so excited. Steelers defeat the Browns. We're going to talk about that when we come back. This is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Alrighty, and welcome back to Round the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm Smitty. That is Tyler. If you're not subscribed to the channel, please do so right now. If you're not liked, if you haven't already liked the video from that first pen segment, like the video right now. Hit that notification bell. Leave us a comment. Let us know your thoughts and the stuff that we're talking about. We'd love to interact with you guys every time that these live premiere at 2 p.m. on Monday. Um, so let's talk about the Steelers' victory over the Browns. Um, 
there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here, man. I mean, from the the fake field goal that knocked Chris Boswell out of this game, so the Steelers have to go forward without a kicker. Um, you know, there was there was times where the defense looked like they weren't going to be able to stop anything. Like Baker Mayfield was carving them up in that first quarter, just playing so soft. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering why are we not playing press man right now? This dude has never shown the ability to throw into tight windows, let alone you know banged up like he is right now. Um, the offense. I mean, where do you want to start with this? You want to start with the offense? You want to start with the defense? You want to start with Boswell not being part of this game for well, more than a half? First off, I want to start with, I'm happy I was wrong. I predicted last week that the Steelers were going to mm. lose this game. Uh, I was wrong happily, on the score, though. A little lower scoring than I thought. Yeah, true. Ha- I'll happily take that L. Um, if, <laughs> if I'm going to be wrong, I will take it over a Browns victory. So... I don't know where to start with this. I mean, there was a lot to it. I guess we could, we could start with the defense. They they were like looking soft in that first quarter. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Like this is gonna be it's gonna be a long game if this is what it's gonna be like. Because Baker is not the type of quarterback that you have to throw out there to win you games, especially when he mm-hmm. has Nick Chubb back in this game to just hand right. the ball off to. Who Nick Chubb? He I think he looked pretty good for his first game back off of his hamstring injury or calf injury, calf injury. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um. And, but they they picked it up. They were able to get some pressure to to the QB, which is a good thing, because um, anytime Baker's pressured, it's not really good for him. Especially with his, I mean, I don't know. Did you notice anything with his injury? Like I, I know his, it wasn't his throwing arm, but I didn't know if that messed with his mechanics at all or, or not today. I I th- I mean, listen, I, it's hard to say because, and I, this isn't like me, like directly. You're not like tossing this up for me to hit a hit a home run here. Like this wasn't set up, but like. From a mechanic standpoint, I've never really seen it with Baker. Like he, whether he was firing high today because of that shoulder, that opposite throwing arm shoulder, or just because I don't think he's that accurate to begin with, I don't know. Um, but like you saw that practice video, right? That I that I quoted and was like, "This is right. him looking more comfortable." I I think that he's keep he's like he's not lifting it at all. Like he's keeping it low. Yeah, and there's like no. Use, yeah, I mean, he's not as you can see he's not on the moving. <laughs> Yeah, like I feel like he's not moving. Oh, that's that's true. Like if you're just listening to this, you're like, what are they even talking about right now? But um, yeah, I, I'm not. I just didn't see it today. Like he didn't look healthy to me. I don't want to like for sure say that Case Keenum would have made a difference in this game. I don't know that he would have. But I just I, I was very surprised to see Baker play in this game, and he was not effective. You mentioned Nick Chubb. He did have 61 rushing yards, which for against Nick Chubb, I'll take that. Not only that, on that's on 16 carries, so that's under four carry to begin with. Plus, he had 21 on. one one single carry. So you eliminate that. That's 41 yards on the other 15 carries. I thought the Steelers defense did a solid job against the run. I thought they cleaned up some of the tackling issues that we saw uh, against Seattle. There definitely wasn't the same quantity. That Dearness Johnson touchdown, though, where Bush kind of over-pursues it, and he goes into the same lane that Minka's in, so it also makes Minka look pretty bad. But really, for mm-hmm. me, that's that's pretty much just solely on Devin Bush on that play because uh, Minka are, is already taking away the outside. It's it's Bush that has to make that play and keep him inside um, and didn't. And that was really like the one gaffe for me um, in, in the second half, to be honest with you. I thought it was a pretty solid performance from the defense. I thought that you know, considering how well Cleveland runs the ball, they did a nice job against it. And uh, I can't say it enough. This isn't me saying that he's a better player overall than this guy, but it's not egregious to say that Cam Hayward is having a better season than Aaron Donald this year or any defensive player in football, to be quite honest with you. No, he's he's one of the most underappreciated players in the NFL. Um, But I think one thing that I noticed from the defense that I've talked about the past couple of weeks is that 
the, the games prior to this one, down the stretch, the defense was not stopping the run whatsoever. And I think they did a lot better job of that today. Now, the Browns weren't necessarily in a situation where they were just running the ball because they were down um, and they had to move down the field. But still, even, even with being uh, behind in the game, they were still running the ball because that's their true identity. And I think the Steelers were able to swallow that up more than they have in the previous weeks, um, especially like against, against Seahawks, for example. Down the stretch, Alex Collins was running all over the defense, and that's what was making that game a little bit more dicey. Um, but they were able to swallow up Nick Chubb and be able to contain that run game more, which is very impressive. Yeah, I think, you know, if they had they had Kareem Hunt, I think that that would have made a little bit of a difference for this team. But Dearness Johnson's no slouch. He did have, you know, the touchdown for the Browns in this game, as we already alluded to. But um yeah, I, I thought overall solid performance from the defense. Let's flip it to the offensive side of the football. I mean, it, it's kind of the same guys to talk about, right? Najee Harris, another 100-plus yard total performance. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, unbelievable touchdown catch, along with having four catches. Um, and then Deontay Johnson, six catches, 98 yards, especially that one on that RPO, which was a gutsy call because you're just feeling like Steelers is just going to run this out, hopefully get the first down. If the if the Browns stop him three straight times, he's a timeout. The Browns aren't going to have much time, and the Steelers would have been content with that. But, they, but Ben decides, I'm going to put the ball into Deontay Johnson's hands, and you see him do what he does after the catch to kind of seal that football game. Um, so it's kind of the same guys to talk about. But, hey, I, I'll give them credit again. There were some penalties on that offensive line. However, that? Oh, another holding call on Chukwuma Accord just, <laughs> just now, a day later. But but overall, especially in the run game, I thought they did well. I thought that the one and this isn't necessarily on the player. This is this is coaching malpractice to me is leaving a fourth-round rookie in Dan Moore Jr. on an island against Miles Garrett without tight end help or Najee Harris for the most part. That was interesting, <laughs> to say the least, for them to do. But, I mean, overall, like it didn't hamper the team enough where they lost this football game. So, yeah, that was you know, a bold move. That's like, that's like tossing the keys to a car that just got his license and be like, well, don't wreck it. <laughs> and, and to be fair, I mean, he, he did an okay job at that. Like be, being by himself, uh, blocking Miles Garrett is no easy task. Um, but they got the job done. Like, like I said, the the most frustrating thing about the office today, besides Chooks, because Chooks still sucks, is that uh, the penalties are just kill some of these drives. I the think Steelers everyone besides have- Trey Turner had one. The, the the Steelers have multiple drives where they're moving the ball down the field. They get into a, a a third down situation and then they get a penalty, or they get a big play and then they get a penalty. And it's mm-hmm. I feel like the entire season that's been the case. It's just killed a lot of their drives, um, and that was very evident yesterday against uh, the Browns. But overall, I thought the offensive line. Um, from a blocking standpoint, I mean, I, I'll take the less penalties, but from a blocking standpoint, I think overall performed better than they had uh, for most of the season. Uh, and, and I feel like that that really helped this offense. And moving forward, I feel like the offense has taken a lot of strides, especially in the run game, because now Najee, he had, I, I don't think he was still like less than four yards per carry, but he's, he's being able to break those big runs. Now, whether that's just his pure talent by himself alone or the offense getting some holes. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, but but they're actually able to move the ball a little bit on the ground, which, I mean, in the first two to three games of this season, they were not able to do whatsoever. 
Yeah, um, you know, I, there's a couple more things I want to bring up. It's so, some relating to this game because, like, James Washington took that holding penalty, and then we didn't really see from him again. I, I like, I don't know if that was him being benched or what, but he has not really been effective when he's on the football field. Um, and and now when he's on the football field, he's actually not just helping, not not helping the team. He's now hurting the team, like with the holding. It, it's just pointless. Like there was really nowhere near the play at that point by the time that he held the guy. It just didn't need to happen. Um, Zach Gentry getting more involved, though. And I know that Eric Ebron was out of this football game. So I knew that we would see him play some more snaps. But to actually see him be targeted, I mean, he had three catches for 39 yards in this game, including a massive 20-plus yard pickup to get a first down. Yeah, I figured um, if he was going to play, he would only be blocking, really. Yeah, I figured all blocking. the tight end work would just be Pat Fryer move. Mm-hmm. But he had five targets in the game as well. So three catches on five targets. So I was kind of surprised by that. The last thing I want to say, I know that they only put up uh, 15 points in this game. So it's like people probably aren't going to want to give him credit. I thought that Matt Canada had his best game as an offensive coordinator today for the Steelers. I think that the penalties really hampered them. But there were only a few calls, maybe like the, the Gentry tight end screen Um and really that's the only one that's coming to mind like immediately for me that I was like really questioning the play calling. I thought other than that, like I, I thought that he had a pretty good day of play calling. I think so as well. The only time that I was wondering, like, why are they calling it this way is whenever now on fourth down, they ended up getting the touchdown to Pat Firemuth. But the three plays prior to that, I'm like, you're on the two yard line. Why did you not try running the ball on one of those downs? And Derek um, Watts still not on the field in those situations. Either. Yeah, that that personally for me, I just don't understand that. Like if especially because I, I'm pretty sure that drive they had been hitting the run game and I'm pretty sure the run game is what got them down to that two yard line. Um I just don't understand. You're two yards away. Why are you only throwing the ball? I mean, they ended up getting the touchdown. So with hindsight being 2020, that's a good thing. But if they didn't end up getting that touchdown, I would still be questioning, like, why did you not run the ball, at least on first down, first or second down, just to try to get a little bit closer or anything? Like, Because Najee was running the ball well today. But but that's my only really questioning of his play calling today. But overall, it was it was a lot better than it's been in the previous weeks. Yeah, and I don't want people to take that as like I'm a huge Derek Watt or fullback fan. I think that, you know, they have their place. I We're not going to see him ever use like Kyle Juszczyk is in San Francisco. But I think when you get down to goal line situations like that, I, you know, I mean, at least show it. Put him on the field mm-hmm. sometimes. It's like this guy is not existent in the offense at all. And I don't know. The last thing I want to ask you doesn't have to do with this game. It's, it's more so going forward and then we can – we're going to take another break and then we'll come back to talk about the upcoming schedule here. Zach Banner was inactive today again, which was kind of a surprise based off this week of practice and and hearing like coming off the bye, especially another week of practice. We see Anthony McFarland who was activated along with him, um, but he was he was not in the lineup today, and not only not in the line, like he didn't get a helmet. We didn't see him at all. Um, what do we make of this, dude? I have no idea because when I saw he was out, I'm like, great. I get to see Chukwama Okorafor again, my <laughs> favorite player on the team. Um, I, I have no idea. Like, is it re- injury related? Because I, I feel like it has to be. Uh, for, um, I would expect it to be. Because what yeah. they said he was an active, what, an hour before kickoff or something like mm-hmm. that? Yeah. So I don't really understand. I mean, why is this guy not playing? Now, I understand, like, the first few weeks of the season, it's it's all injury related. But, like... Is this injury still bugging him to this point that he's inactive or what? 
Yeah, that's the thing is, like, even if he wasn't going to start, you'd think he'd still be active. I, I know that people are making the point, like, you're not going to have him active as a swing guy because he only plays the one side. Like, he's never played left tackle. They're going to ask him to play left tackle. He's strictly a right tackle. So, like, I get that. But the thing is, like, if he's not if he's not your starting right tackle, like, I, I know that you can't foresee this injury, but he's coming off this injury, and they gave him that contract then. Like, I know that you can't foresee that setback. But it's just not really going to look good if he can't crack this lineup with him being back. And here's the thing. We're talking about a core four. Like, would I play Banner over a core four? Would I give him a shot? Yeah. But but another thing is, I might give Joe Haig a shot before either of those two. Especially in the run game. he's been He looks better than both of them. But what you're talking about with Banner... Um, you give him the contract, and he's played what one game this season, mm-hmm. and we're we're, all, we're getting pretty close. Oh, no, wait, to wait, no, 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 Banner. Yeah, no, Banner hasn't played at all. Oh, he hasn't played at all. I thought he played against no. the Seahawks. No, he hasn't played no. at all. So we're getting so it's halfway through the season, and he hasn't played at all. Right the, the, now, they do have like it, it's a weird extension because it's almost like the Cam Sutton two year deal where it's like they don't necessarily have to go forward in that second year, or it's also like a, a contract. If they outplay that year one, it's it kind of, they can get another extension, like add on years past that for that only year remaining. So it, they're kind of in a weird spot with it, well, but in yeah, order to I have, play year one, you have to play. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> like they're two different player, very different players, very different scenarios, but I'm just pointing out that, like, I don't think signing him to a two-year deal necessarily means that he's going to be back next year, and it wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't. I, it's so sad because, like, going into last year, everybody that covered the team said it. He was their best offensive lineman going into last year. And in hindsight, looking at how the line played last year, like, that's not that impressive. That's, like, you know, right. whatever. But still, like, going into it, that that's – you would think that he would have been the front runner to win the job this year and be the guy and he was going to be it's just it's got to be frustrating for him but as a fan it's just it does not look good right now yeah and you got to expect the Steelers are probably going to address the offensive line even more in next year's draft probably drafting another tackle so Mm -hmm. you Trey Turner's only here for this year I don't know if he'll be back you know it's yeah there's some things to decide there yeah, you think that there's a clear and glaring area of of need on this offense, and I feel like that's offensive line besides quarterback, of course, but that's offensive line, and so it's it's not like anybody's really guaranteed to be on this offensive line, or at least a starter mm-hmm. on this offensive line. Yeah, when we come back, I do actually have one more thing that I want to bring up that's not looking forward, but it's still looking forward in a way. <clears throat> the NFL trade deadline is coming up, and there is a name on the Steelers that's kind of been circulating. Um, for a different reason than what we originally thought was reported. So we're going to talk about that, and then we'll uh, preview the upcoming schedule for the Steelers when we come back. This is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Back to around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Smitty. He is Tyler. Um, yeah, we kind of forgot to talk about Chris Boswell, which is a pretty big part of this game against Cleveland because it kind of changed the way the Steelers had to play. Uh, and it also at one point gave Cleveland great field position because of Presley Harvin booting it out of bounds on a kickoff. Um, you know, it's it's tough because we're all like, you know, let's get we want to see, you know, the Steelers go for it in some certain situations and, and play aggressive and things like that. To me, that's not the way to do it. 
You know, there's a couple minutes left in the first half. You have a chance to to go up on the scoreboard, and you're also getting the ball back to start the second half. So you're just not putting anybody really in a position to succeed. Also, like if you want to go out there and and pretend that you're going to to do that and like line up in a field goal, see how they're lined up, and then decide whether you want to do it or not. Call a timeout after if if you don't have the right look, and then actually kick the ball or do whatever. If you want to go for it, keep the offense out on the field. That's what I say. But I would have just kicked the field goal and gone up 6-3 going into the half, personally. So not only do they make the wrong decision by doing that, you get your kicker's head nearly taken off, which that should have been a penalty, by the way. And Gene Steratore even said it on Twitter. So, you know, we're not just being Steeler fans here by saying this. But Chris Boswell rolls out and actually has some time. He's sitting there for a while rolling out. Finally just decides I got to throw it to the back of the end zone. No idea what's going to happen here. It goes through the end zone, and then he gets absolutely leveled. So the conversion does not work. Uh, and also Chris Boswell is out for the game after suffering a concussion. I assume he's being evaluated for one and then rolled out. Um, obviously, it impacted the way the Steelers had to play this game, but also looking forward, like now they got to decide what they're going to do about kicker. Yeah. Um, f- first off, I-, I hope I hope Boswell's okay. Um Mm-hmm. I agree with you where I would have just kicked it, gone up 6-3, going into halftime. Um, but it's very unstealer like to me, in my opinion, for them to do that. Like, they're not really the flashy sort of team, especially when it comes to special teams. Like, you don't really see them do that that often. Mm-hmm. So it was shocking to me that they even tried it in the first place. And the fact that your kicker got hurt, I mean, it's not like you're on a, you're on a college team where there's, like, you've got, like, two or three kickers. Like, you only got the one. And – the fact that Presley Harvin is not able to kick, like I, I understand he's a punter, that's his job, but I feel like most punters are also kickers, or at least they should be back. They have kickers. some experience doing it, yeah, exactly. And so, the, him not even be able to like do a proper kickoff to me, I'm not expecting him to boot it through the end zone like Boswell does, but like kicking it out of bounds, like dude. <laughs> You're a you're a punter, so like, I, I, listen. I know they're very different, but it's it's just shocking to me that like no one on the team was able to just like kick normally, and but especially him, like being the punter. I feel like why and why do they not prepare the punters or any other player for this type of situation? Like, if your kicker goes down, you need to have someone that's able to kick. Like mm-hmm. Presley Harvin should be able to kick an extra point if if someone goes down. And someone else should be able to hold that extra point. I feel like the the I don't know if it's just the Steelers that are this way, or if it's at every NFL team. Like I feel like they're just not prepared for a situation like this. And granted, it doesn't happen all that often that your kicker gets hurt and is not able to come back into the game. But it just seemed like very weird to me that like they just seemed to have no answer for this sort of situation. Had to go for two each time. They didn't get either of them, um, which was disappointing. But it, going forward, you, I mean, you hope Boswell's ready for the Monday night game and you get that extra day of rest, but there's no guarantee that he's going to be able to. So they're going to have to either teach Presley Harvin how to kick a football or pick somebody off off the street. Now, somebody's going to be brought in because even with the extra day, uh, regardless, he's not going to practice, I wouldn't think, at least at the beginning of the week. So they're going to bring somebody in regardless, I would think. Um, who that is, I, it could be a familiar face like Sam Sloman, who was around during training camp in the preseason. We'll see if it's him, um, although he didn't look that great. There might be some other options now that you know we've gotten past that point and everybody is really just down to one kicker. There might be some better options out there. Um, but 
yeah, it's it's a it's an unfortunate situation. It really impacted the way Steelers had to play this game. But you could also look at it like this: they don't throw that ball to Fryermuth on the touchdown catch if Chris Boswell is healthy. They would just kick the field goal. So it impacted them in, in going for two and not getting them, but it also made them go for that touchdown as opposed to a field goal in that spot. So I don't know. I mean, in a in a very weird way, it also positively somehow by the luck of the draw positively impacted this game. It also negatively impacted one of my fantasy teams because he was my fantasy <laughs> because of Bos- Okay, team. I would say directly because of Boswell or yeah, Boswell okay. was my kicker in one of my fantasy leagues. Okay, so yeah, that's tough. You might be picking somebody up this week, probably. Uh, <laughs> but the, so I wanted to bring up uh, before we start previewing this uh, trade deadline coming up here. Um, by the time people watch or listen to this, that's going to be tomorrow. Tuesday is the trade deadline in the NFL. Uh, Melvin Ingram's name has been floated around there. Originally, it was like I thought it was they were just receiving interest on him, but it sounds like he's actually requested himself a trade from the team due to playing time. He didn't play today due to an injury, and you know whether that he was injured <laughs> earlier in the season as well. So it's not like yeah. completely unbelievable, but he also wasn't even with the team today, and he would normally be if it were just injury keeping him out. So I mean, what do you make of this situation? For me, it, it's it's disappointing to see. I can understand him wanting to play, but really that significant drop off in play was only one week. It's not like that was a trend of things going for him. You're right. It wasn't a trend, and I feel like it's pretty petty of him right now to be like that like it it makes me think what was he thinking like when he came into the Steelers when he signed the contract with them because it's it's almost like he listened to like all the national media saying like oh it's going to be TJ Watt and Melvin Ingram whenever like the like the Steelers fans were like hold on a second like we have Alex Highsmith Melvin Ingram is going to be like the the first guy in for both of these guys and sometimes he can even be on the field when both of them are still on the field um but I, I just think that I don't know what got into his head. Like what, what makes him think like he needs the playing time? Like he, he was performing well with the Steelers, but I, I just, just seem, seems like this is coming out of nowhere. Like, I don't know if he had talked to somebody like, Hey, you need to play more or what, but it, yeah. it seems very random to me that all of a sudden he has an issue with it. Like going this week, like this far into the season already. It's not like he wasn't playing at all. Like he was on the defense multiple times. I like, I don't know what his snap percentage was, um, for the defense, but I feel like it's better than what a typical backup edge rusher would be. And yeah, we know it, going back to last year, we know going back to last year, there's room for three edge rushers in the Steelers defense. Like, look at how much Alex Highsmith ended up playing for the Steelers even before the Bud Dupree injury. So we were seeing all three. They use all three, especially a guy like Ingram with two not being in there that can rush from multiple alignments. Like they were using him fine, I thought. But yeah, your point about his his agent probably got in his ear. It's another contract year for him. He's only here for one year and said, listen, if this is going to be the way things are in Pittsburgh, there might be a better opportunity out there for you, especially with the injuries we've kind of seen with like J.J. Watt going down, if he can find his way to Arizona or something like that. Uh, People have thrown out the Rams, like the Chiefs. There's definitely opportunities out there for him to get more playing time, so I can't necessarily begrudge him for that side of it. Um, I just think that, especially from what we're hearing from people like saying it's it's gotten pretty nasty, um, I I just think that there's a better way that he could have gone about this and from the Steelers side it would leave them very thin at edge uh it w- without Melvin Ingram I mean we got, we got a glimpse of what it would be today obviously with their Tuzaka Taco Charlton was elevated from the practice squad that would be who they would have continuing going forward because since the start of you know this preseason like losing Quincy Roche then losing uh 
who was the what can't think of his name jameer jones uh also mm-hmm. to the rams on waiver wire like that's that's pretty rare to see a team lose edge rushers like that and the Steelers have right. lost twice <laughs> two of them so they really can't afford this would be a third guy third edge rusher that we thought was going to be on this team at the start of the year now off the roster so the defensive snap counts for Melvin Ingram so far. Uh, so the first week of the season against Buffalo, he had 64%. And then the next two weeks were elevated because of the TJ Watt injury. Right. But 80, 86% and 100% actually against Cincinnati. Um, but then TJ Watt comes back. And then the next two weeks, it's 49%. So half the snaps um, and 60%. So still over half the snaps. And then Seattle is the only outlier at 26%. He played a quarter of the time on the Mm -hmm. defense. Like I just, that's why I'm saying like, I think it's petty to base your playing time off of one game. Unless, like, unless he wants to be the the full-time starter, which it's just not going to happen. I mean, you have Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. So maybe he was underestimating Alex Highsmith and thought that he could come in here and, and start over. I don't well, know. it sounds like that's what everybody did except for Sealer fans. <laughs> literally everybody, when we yeah. signed him, we're like, TJ Watt and Melvin Ingram, that's the new duo. I'm like, mm-hmm. hold on a second. We still got this dude from Charlotte. Um, but, yeah, it, it sucks to see. And you're right talking about the depth that this would have or the issues of the depth that this would have on the Steelers' defense. It's already a thin position, um, I feel like, even with him there because behind him, like, who's really there, like you said, uh, it's we've lost Jameer Jones and Quincy Roche, who who we were both brought in this year, and they performed well in the preseason. We were hoping at least to have these guys as depth options. Nope, we lose both of them. So after the top three, it's very thin. And if we lose Melvin Ingram, then you're really going to hope that TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith are healthy for the rest of the season because it's not going to look pretty at the edge position if one of them goes down. So obviously that's not a great way to end the show, which is why we're not going to end there. We're going to preview the next couple of weeks because now the Steelers are four and three and things are kind of, the arrows pointing up for this team, even though it wasn't a, a pretty win necessarily today. You got Granted, Chicago coming I said in. like four weeks ago that the Steelers would be lucky if they win four games. I'm happy that they, <laughs> well, they're at four they, wins they, now. They so. hit that mark. Uh, they got Chicago coming in here next Monday night. And then they got Detroit, a winless Detroit team the following week. Now, I don't want to look past any one team, so let's just talk about Chicago for the time being. Uh, they're coming off of another loss by double digits today. To, I'm sorry, yesterday to the San Francisco 49ers, 33-22. to 22. Um, they're, they're not a good football team, and they're going to be missing Khalil Mack most likely. They're flirting with the idea of putting him on IR because it sounds like he's going to miss multiple weeks. He missed today. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there with that. But they're obviously a worse football team without Khalil Mack, and they, they really haven't been good. Matt Nagy should not be the head coach of that football team anymore. Justin Fields is not necessarily been good, but look at the situation he's in. Like Their offensive line almost makes me appreciate what we have in Pittsburgh. That's how bad it's been. <laughs> Yeah, that's the curse of being a high draft pick quarterback, especially, is that you go to a crappy team and Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields, all bad situations. But the Steelers going into this game, um, I think that they should be favored and we should expect them to win. I I don't think it should be a toss-up. I think it's it's a primetime game at home. Anything less than a win is not acceptable to me at this point, which is crazy because I was so doom and gloom about a month ago. but, yeah, the Bears aren't good. The defense, like you said, without Khalil Mack, it's just not the same. Um, and, and I feel like as the offense is getting better for Pittsburgh, they should be able to, like, hit their stride more. Hopefully the offensive line performs better. We, I mean, maybe Zach Banner plays. Maybe Joe Haig plays. 
As long as Chukwuma Okorafor doesn't play, I'm happy. So well, he's probably still gonna be playing. So yeah, well, he should just be sent into the Allegheny. I, like I just um, I don't see them making a change there as yeah. long as they continue to win games and you see the offensive line as a whole making strides. I just get frustrated because he holds and he's not good. Um, but especially and defensively, the defense should just have a fun night this week. TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Alex Highsmith, they should all have fun up front against that offensive line. Um, make Justin Fields night really tough. Um, I know you're a big Justin Fields guy, but not, not on Monday. Not right it's, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like not just not against the Steelers. Like he's just, he's, I think he'll be fine, but this is, a really bad situation for – I mean, you mentioned rookie quarterbacks showing bad situations all the time, but he might be in the worst when you talk about the offensive line plus coaching combination that he's got there right now. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, so, Steelers should dominate this game, I feel like. I, I, I don't think – I mean, the score might be closer than expected, but I think the physicality part, they, they, the Steelers should should physically dominate this game. I think you just continue to see, like, right now, offensively, you just have young guys really carrying the torch for this offense. Um, Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, third-year Deontay Johnson is really coming into his stride on pace for 1,200-plus yards and 10 touchdowns. I mean, it's really the young guys that are carrying the torch, which which is what you need. You need a, a youth infusion on this offense. Obviously, he's still got the old man throwing him the ball, but like he's getting it done well enough for this team to win football games right now. And, you know, I don't know if it was the bye week or what, and hopefully this continues. But I, like I said a little bit earlier, I just really feel like Matt Canada had his best game as a coordinator today. And maybe it was the bye week that reset that they needed. And uh, we just continue to see that because I think more weeks than not, when he calls a game like we saw today, we're going to see this team be able to put up, you know, it, somewhere. I don't know that they're ever going to be a team like scoring 35 plus, but maybe somewhere like in that 27 to 30 range with our defense should win you most weeks. And to Ben and company's credit, uh, another week without a turnover on offense. So that, that's that's, a, that's the biggest thing. A key like, to formula gonna... to win the football games, especially with the with the lack of offense that you get from this team. Not yeah. turning the ball over is going to be the biggest factor to help win you games. Yeah, that's what I was just say. With as limited as you are with the offensive line and, and the way that Ben can play at his age, um, you know you can't turn the football over. And to his credit, that that's been his biggest uh asset i would say to this team is he's is he's not making those well actually he should have definitely had a turnover today that, that one that he threw into deontay johnson a triple coverage but for the yeah. most part he's not making um those bad decisions he's not turning the football over he definitely should have had a turn it's funny that we we're having this conversation i'm like recollecting on the game he definitely should have turned the football over at least once though. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so what's uh what's your score prediction then monday night football steelers bears Monday Night Football. I'll say the Steelers are going to win this game. Well, hell, I'm, I'm debating on what the score should be for the Steelers because I'm like, what's the kicker situation going to be like? Do I make it just like because it could be a little dicey when it comes to field goals, extra points. Um, I'm going to say the Steelers win this game twenty six to eleven. What the eleven? Yeah, <laughs> is that a, that might be a score gummy. That might be a, a first time score. I don't know. It could be. I don't know. I just I just feel like it's going to be an odd scored game. I'm going to say the Steelers hit 30 in this one. Really? Wow. I'm going to go 30 to six, 30 to 16 Steelers. 
That would be impressive. Um, have they have they hit thirty once this year? No, they haven't. So what is their high? Their season high is twenty seven against the Broncos. Okay. They also had twenty or no, the Raiders had twenty six. Never mind. So yeah, twenty seven against the Broncos. Um, twenty seven so, in that game, and they haven't scored. Oh, twenty three against Seattle. So yeah, yep. I mean, based off that, their best. Two of the last three weeks have had their best offense. Well, hopefully it just keeps going up from here. You get the Ravens after that, but then you get the the, the Lions. Um, so, or no, wait, do we have the – no, we have the Lions no, next. No, no, the Lions. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's Chicago and the Lions. At, I was looking at the Bears' schedule. They play the Ravens uh, after, after uh, the Steelers. Uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, we, we have the, the Chargers. So we have the Lions next after the Bears. It's two two games you should win. These these shouldn't be sweated out wins. I know the Steelers Steeler fans were pretty much used to always sweating out a win every single week. These are two games that we should not have much of a doubt going into the game. Four and three. I mean, you know, if they get to five and three and then six and three, it's it's you start to have a very different conversation, especially with you know this is a. It's a team today. Now the Browns four and four. I mean, that completely changes things when you can yeah. win those divisional games. Dude, so. imagine being a Browns fan. Like you think this is your year. I mean, you and I even said like the Browns on paper should pick. be the like, best I'm team in the division. Yeah. They, they should win the division, and now they're currently in last place in the division, right where they should be. <laughs> I think that that's a good place to leave it, right where they should be. Um, Listen, guys, I started to get uh, purchase the prizes for Rocking Around the 412, which I bring up on the show every week. Um, you know, obviously, I could talk about it every single week, but and I do. Uh, but it, it means more to us than anything else that we do. Uh, it, it's a Christmas mission. It's our yearly Christmas mission. We've raised over $10,000 so far in, in the three years of doing it. That number just I, – I know that for some, like you look at some of these other charities around there, it doesn't sound like a huge number. For us, that's insane, you know, that we have been given that type of platform to be able to raise that type of money to change and impact the lives of families in our community. So this is your four of us doing it. Every single penny that is donated goes directly to these families and purchasing gifts for them, toys – electronics, clothes, books, art supplies, makeup, whatever it might be, whatever's on the Christmas list, we get it. With the money that's left over, we purchase a gift card so that the family can go and get uh, the groceries necessary to also provide a holiday meal along with those Christmas toys that we're getting for the kids. Um, you know, and it, like I said, it means the most to us out of everything that we do. It's our pinned tweet on Twitter. It will take you right to the GoFundMe link so you can read the mission, which I pretty much just read off more in depth. <laughs> Um, and, and some of the prizes that I've got, I got like a, a couple mini speed helmets that are autographed by Cam Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Joe Hayden autographed jersey, a Bill Madlock autographed jersey. Um, I think I had six things so far. What was it? I put up the picture on Twitter and I already forgot. Like this is this is why you're here, folks, for me to check my phone while I'm recording an episode <laughs> to tell you guys what we got. Um, so what did I say so far? We got. Mini helmets. Alan, Fan- Alan Fanica signed jersey. Now, what's cool about this one is it yeah, has. Say that one. Yeah, it's like the, it's autographed and it has like this. It's the stat jersey all below the number. So then Minka Fitzpatrick signed uh, speed helmet. Joe Hayden signed jersey. Cam Hayward speed helmet. Cam Hayward signed jersey. And then the Bill Madlock signed jersey. 
So six things so far. There's more to come, obviously, because we it's very outnumbered there. We have five Steelers items so far, only one Pirates and no pens. So there's definitely more stuff coming. That stuff goes uh, to people that donate, that are generous enough to give us their money to provide the Christmas for other families. Like I said, every single dollar that you guys give us is going directly to those families. That money comes from our wallets. Other than that, I think that about wraps it up. We uh, look forward to talking to you guys next week, which will be a little bit different, I feel like. Um, we're going to have a couple of Pens games to talk about, but the Steelers don't play till Monday night. So it will be interesting to see, but we will definitely be back with you guys next week. Be sure to like, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so you guys know when every single video from all the other great shows on the networks are posted. Uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you guys think. If you have any suggestions, if you want to write us a review, if you listen to the show with a five-star review, uh, if you want to ask us a question, we will get to it on the next episode. All that good stuff that I say every single week. For Smitty, for Tyler, this is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye.